Hello and welcome to another episode of the Copcast Podcast. We're coming to you after the Red Storm to the League Cup final, which will probably be for the weekend, um, but we might touch on it. And the Reds go to Palace um, without Sadio Mane, without Mo Salah, but actually, more importantly, without Sadio Mane, as he scores like 87 million goals every time he plays them. Um, and we come away with another three points, and all of a sudden, the picture looks a little bit more optimistic, and you know, league games have become a little bit more important than maybe they were before. So, um, to discuss that, I've got Beryl Akis out in the Netherlands, and I've got Jay Reid out in Liverpool. So, Jay, the game itself, gone far, um, and it looks like it could be another one of those rampant Liverpool performances. The first goal comes, it's pretty straightforward. It's a goal that I think that probably we should, we should see more of. And then I remember that we've scored more goals from corners than anybody else in the league. So, you know, it, it seems a bit like a bit greedy of me to think that way. And the second goal, it's a great move. And, and Robertson again provides a delivery in Oxley Chamberlain. Um, you know, he delivers and he can do this. He can not look great and not look great and think he might want to sell him. But actually, he's one of the few players outside the front who that can stick the ball in the net. And then we kind of go a little bit Chelsea away, which is weird. And I'm just wondering, you know, it's for me, it's a little bit of a worrying pattern here. And I don't know what it is. Is it fatigue? Is it is it naivety? Is it game management? I'm not really sure. Um, on the corner one, first of all, I think the, them stats are skewed because we've not scored directly from corners. It's kind of been like, you know, a, a muddle up in the box or like a, a ball out from the box. I think the Cater one, for example, early on in the season, the volley, I think that come from some situation possibly where it was a corner headed out and then... um. No, he volleyed it in, so it you know it's it skews the, the the facts and figures. But I do agree that we should be scoring a hell of a lot more directly from corners, um, especially given you know the the size of the lads we've got at the back. Um, but yeah, we can we may be touching that in a bit. But with Chamberlain, you know he 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 does these games where he, he seems to flatter to deceive about the front three. For me, isn't a role for him. It's it sort of doesn't fit because he, he doesn't have that explosive pace anymore. But what he does have, as you say, is the ability to, to put the ball in the back of the net. And, you know, sometimes these players are invaluable to have. You you look around the team and you're not overly confident that you've got enough there to do it. But, you know, while, while we haven't had the African lads there, we haven't actually done too bad really, have we? We've done, I think it's five games, four wins and a draw. Um, the draw was Chelsea, was Chelsea I think. Um, so you know we, we've not done too bad the whole fear of what will we do without them isn't isn't really too bad and by the time the next league came comes around against Leicester in two weeks just over from now when we record um, we'll have all three of them back I think Salah's got Ivory Coast tomorrow Mane went through tonight with Senegal but Cases Guinea was knocked out yesterday so Hopefully, you know, he comes back fit and fired and well-rested because it'll be two weeks before he has to grace the pitch again. So we, we should be in a good position to hopefully kick on in the league and 
maybe maybe mount title challenge. Yeah, so they're all it's it's a little bit concerning and you know me, generally I'm a glass half full sort of person. I think we'll win every game and blah 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 and whatever, but I, I do enjoy playing devil's advocate. So there is a little bit of it there's a little bit of a, a sliver of hope there. There's a chink of light. Um and people will do the maths and say, well, if we win our game in hand and we, we go to City and beat them, we'll be ahead of them. Or so we'll be ahead of them. The goal difference will be three points behind them. And all it takes is, is one more slip. But the way that we are playing at the moment, yeah, we can score goals. But we do appear to be susceptible to throwing leads away, as has been proved this season already. Um, and was nearly proved, well, we'll come on to talk about that, but supposedly nearly proved again on on Sunday. And the keeper comes away with a man of the match performance, and rightly so. And that's why you have him there. That's why you spend the money on him. But we do need to improve if we are going to take advantage of this chink of light that we see. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. It's... Um... You know, if if you want to make uh, Man City nervous, then uh, you need to capitalize on on uh, you know the 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 little amount of of, of the small amount of, of errors that they make, um, you know, such as they did this weekend, and and it, you know it was it was only a draw for them, but but uh, I was uh, nonetheless happy because that a ridiculous stretch of winning games uh, has been uh, has been broken at least so yeah well, hopefully they get the jitters i i you know it, it it's more hope than than expectation that uh, that they will drop more points but um you know but, but you know having said that it, it, the only team that can uh, that that could possibly match them uh, you know is is liverpool fc so um, um, that, that's also something that has been proved um, in, in in recent seasons, and yeah, th- th- there is hope. And we we uh, if we win um, the game in hand against Leeds, then we have uh, um, six points between us, and, and we have to to go to the Etihad. So you know, we'll win that, and that would be three points left. Uh, and you know, if 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 I can do that wishful thinking, they, they can. To uh, the, the the opposite of that, um, but um, I I think they will drop six points uh, in the rest of the season. But I'm not entirely sure that we will win all of our games. I'm I'm pretty sure we won't. Um, it's 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 a matter of how many points we will we will drop. But uh, you know the, the game against Crystal Palace started out really really well, and then something happened. And from the the thirty fifth minute on, they 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 at least they found a way to threaten us. And uh, and uh, I, I watched match of the day two, and it was it was is you know it was more teeth grinding than uh, than enjoying uh, analysis because uh, what's his name, um, Jermaine Janis and and Michael Richards were were there. So you know, both of them really don't don't like Liverpool, and had some some, you know, really poor analysis. One of the things that they said was that um, 
that our defense, you know, the the, the central back pairing should should drop just a little more. So that would uh, alleviate the problems that we seem to have with uh, with you know catching people offside, which is a ludicrous thing to say because it doesn't matter where you stand if you try to play someone offside. It doesn't matter if you're if you're um, um, on on the the half line or, or uh, 20 meters further. Uh, towards your goal, because it's the same line, and and if you, you know, somehow don't uh, succeed in in playing someone offside, then it doesn't matter, and then they're even closer to goal. So that's why you play the high line. But there is something wrong with that uh, with our offside trap, and um, it and and especially so against teams that uh, play with two strikers or you know something similar. Um, you know, th- this was a bit like the Brentford game. You know, Brentford away. I'm talking about. You know, the three-three game, which we could have won if we had had uh, scored all the goals that we, uh, all the chances that we had. But um, they also had um, the same method of of creating chances against us, uh, and and I think that's where the problem is. Um, we don't seem to be as solid at the back but you know then it's a team sport so this this has to do with with uh, with midfielders and with uh, with attackers too so I'm, I'm not entirely sure what's happening there but um I, i'm not as confident watch watching us uh, even go two nil ahead um as i was you know in previous seasons yeah jay so i think there's a conversation to be had here and this is this seems a little bit disingenuous because it will sound like I am pointing the finger at this man as the root cause of this problem, and it's not because it's only been the last couple of games. But Madam's form has seems to have fallen a little bit off a cliff the last couple of games. First half against Arsenal, he's all over the place. Um, he gets hooked. And I'm not really sure when it happens. He hasn't been playing well, but that's not really something the club does is hook a centre half because they've had a, a bad 45. So I feel like at the time it was a planned change, but you know, looking at his form against Palace, he's poor, he's loose with the ball. That's something that is one of his real strengths, is passing between the lines. He passes that one right across the box, which is mental. And I'm just wondering, as brilliant as it has been this season, to have Madup so available um, and so consistently fit, are we maybe starting to see the downside of that because he's waiting into games in a row and territory from a physical perspective that he hasn't been in in probably three or four years? Um, the short answer is yes, pretty much. Um, I was surprised that he played at the weekend before Kanata had come in. Um, I have to say I didn't see the first half against Arsenal. I was in work, but I did see the second half um, and see that he'd been changed. And I listened to it on the radio and he did say like he he didn't see himself Um and then when Kanate played the second half, he he looked fine. Um, he they play similar but different, if that makes sense. Like they like, sort of the way they sweep across and the way they move, it looks pretty similar. And a bit awkward at times because they're so tall. But you see, with Matip, it tends to be the the gangly runs forward and breaking the lines where Kanate seems to break the lines with his incisive passing. Um, but I just thought with Palace, it would have been Kanate anyway, given 
the pace and the power that they've got up front. So I was surprised that Eze didn't start, but you know, uh, we still got enough trouble with Elise, Edward, and Mateta. Um, so I thought it would have been a game for them, um, given Massive had started the last two. Um, so he is coming no. back from a long layoff, though Eze is, and he's probably being managed quite carefully. Uh, can I say? No, uh, Eze. Oh, Eze, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, so. You know, he come on and he had a little bit of an impact. Um, but I just thought in general, like it was, it was a game made for Kanate. Um, you know, I, I seen someone post the other day. Like, would it not be a better idea to play Matip at home and Kanate away from home? And when you we delve into it, maybe, you know, the the breaking the lines of the running forward and the way teams tend to come to one field with a setup of, you know, try not get hammered. Um, it would be maybe a better idea, but you know, it, there is horses for courses. I just think maybe you are um, along the right lines of, you know, it's it's probably physical and maybe a bit of mental fatigue that he's he's not played this amount of games. Well, he's played more this season than he has the past two seasons um, already, and playing constantly. Um, is it maybe taking its toll now? We've we've got this little gap in fixtures now with two weeks and you know I'm sure we've got Cardiff in the FA Cup and then Leicester three or four days later that you'll probably see a combination of Gomez, Canate, Virgil and Matip across those two games um, however they, they line up but I think it's ample opportunity to give them all 90 minutes um, across that time and you know you can't point the blame at one man but there was a lot well not a lot there was quite a few moments where you could say it was Massive more of fault than, than anyone else. Um, you know, Virgil's coming back off an injury, Massive's coming back as he is, but I think Virgil's slowly, gradually getting better and better each week. Where Massive sometimes, if he's if he's really good, he's really he's, like it's, it's outstanding, but he has had a couple of these games, and I think Beryl pointed out to Brentford as being one where he, he seems to struggle, and when it, when it seems to go a little bit wrong it, it seems to go quite a lot wrong for him and luckily we, we didn't get too punished at the weekend for it yeah and they're all um, Jay's kind of right it, it is a potentially a, a mental thing as well um, it's a lot of games it's a, it's a lot of concentration um, and I think people underestimate the mental effects that Everything can have on a footballer. We just assume that these guys are, you know, infallible um, psychologically, and they're not. They're just like you and me. And actually, if you think about it, particularly the younger players, they're probably even more fragile mentally because um, a they've grown up in a different era than certainly you and I have. Um, but coming up through that academy um, and being kind of not fast tracked but um, progressed to to professional football from a very very young age, they've been well looked after and they don't have to deal with a great deal of stress in their lives. And to me, it's no real surprise that that Liverpool have appointed um, a a mental health therapist because we don't appreciate, I think, the effect that supporters can have on players' mental health and therefore their ability to perform on the pitch. 
Um, um, I couldn't agree more. It's, um, you know, the old saying is uh, sticks and sticks and stones uh, and, and etc. You know, you, you, you know the rest. But um, it's it's obviously not not true that uh, words can't hurt you. And, you know, it, uh, um, just as an example, um, I, I think Nico Williams it was, and then he, it was even uh, not an important game, but you know, it was this game that he didn't perform very well, and he was slaughtered for it uh, on on social media, and and maybe I'm pretending it, but I, I'm seeing a, a boy with 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 fear in his eyes, uh, as you know, before that he, he seemed to have uh, at least confidence that that he you know could could perform and could do um, you know maybe even. Was good good enough for Liverpool, and and now I see a boy who's who's constantly doubting himself, and I'm you know and, and it's of, of course conjecture to 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 um, draw conclusions from from those two observations, but 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 still it's uh, and I, you're right, this is not something that 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 I when I was young uh, had to you know take into account. I'm I'm really really happy that. The telephones with with uh, with cameras on them weren't invented when I, uh, you know, did, did my uh, my uh, you know uh, follies of of youth. Um, but but you know for these you know for every kid in this generation there's there, there's social media and and there are people your peers uh, uh, nominally that can uh, say harsh things or you know that are not even true. And and it doesn't matter because you know others gang up on you, etc. We all know all this, but in this case we 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 are speaking about kids that that are, you know, not not only have to, don't only have to deal with their peers, but uh, you know they appear in the limelight and 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 uh, and and millions of people, literally millions of people, watch them and think. It's normal to say all sorts of abusive things about them uh, um, on, on social media, uh, uh, and of course that has has an effect. You know, the, my my first advice to every one of them would be uh, delete every social media app that you have or every account that you have. But on the other hand, they they need to have that because you know of their brand. Uh, it's it's it's. Uh, I really don't like that kind of, of that that part of, uh, of of modern football, but it, it is a reality, of course. So uh, these, you know, and they have a life as well. They 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 want to keep in touch with people as well, so they use social media for it. And uh, I think it's 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 very wise of uh, of Liverpool to to acknowledge this fact and and try to do something about it. Uh, and it's not only the youth. I, you know, I don't know if if, if Joel Matip has. Uh, has a Twitter account or Facebook or whatever, but if he has, I would um, I would strongly <laughs> advise him not to not to go on there for 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 a week or so. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it is the times we live in, and and uh, again, this is something on, in the background that we uh, one of the the things that we seem to do well, you know, alongside nutrition and 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 uh, uh, you know. And lots of other things that we do. Yeah, it's a, we we do generally seem to be at the cutting edge of this sort of thing, which is great. You know, uh, it's 
it's encouraging for for the football club. It's encouraging to be a supporter when you look at these sorts of things. But just to come back to the point briefly, um, you know, there's a lot of online abuse that occurs, and I get it a jail free card nearly for some of these these Liverpool accounts. And I think we all know if we're if anybody who's listening to this, I think we all all know who they are. They've an unusually large following um, and get unusually large uh, retweets and likes for basically saying things that are really, really negative. And if people think that doing that is acceptable and that it's fine because they don't act the player, you know, we know what algorithms are like these days. I know what I get pushed and my Twitter account is completely different from what a Manchester United fan or an Arsenal fan will get pushed on their Twitter account. And if you are Nico Williams, for example, as Beryl's um, cited there, do you think that Twitter aren't going to cite tweets to a guy called Nico Williams that have the name Nico Williams in them? So it's inevitable that he is going to see these things, especially when they get X amount of thousand retweets and likes. Yeah. It's, so it's not yeah. an excuse, is it? No, no. I the way I say it, everyone's entitled to an opinion. If it's like you know, if it's constructive and you may you may have evidence to back it up, you may not have evidence to back it up, but you know, don't direct it if it's if it's not positive at them. In fact, like you know, a player can have a can have a good game and he'll still get dogs abuse, like it doesn't matter what happens because you get other fan bases wading in on on players' social accounts, so you kind of do in one way, as you say, encourage them not to be on it. But then you know it, it is the brand, it's the image, and like you know we, we all probably have a little gripe the fact that like football these days the the, the cut off from from the public, like they're not the footballers of yesteryear where you could maybe bump into them in the street or you know catch them on in the pub or around the shops like they live this separate life from from the rest of the the world the fan base whatever um so it, it's a hard one um and i suppose in, in reality they, they probably just want to try and live a normal life as possible but there's there's so many people out there and there's so many weapons that they can use in terms of social media um to target these lads and, and women as well like women get it as well in women's football um, it's a it's such a hard one to address. Like you, you encourage them to to live that way, like a normal life as possible. But it's it's not good for them. And as as Ben also said, like we, we're leading the the way in in football of getting nutritionists involved, getting sports scientists involved, and on, on, on mad levels, getting physicists involved, like computer data analysts with to do with our scouting and stuff we are thinking way way out of the box and it's good that we've gone to this length to try and help these lads and you'd hope that more is made of it in the media it probably won't because it's Liverpool if it was Manchester City Manchester United it'd probably be plastered all over Sky Sports but you know Liverpool don't fit the the public image brand but at least we are doing something to try and help these kids you've only got to look at the the Arsenal game last week, we had Kate Gordon thrown in there. He's 17, like just 17, I think. And 
the pressure that he's going to be under now to, you know, be a professional footballer. He's still a child. He's not like he's not and even the thing a is, man. Yeah, it's, he's got a lot to it's do. Naive. It's naive. Sorry, it's, it's naive or ignorant or just downright like stubbornness to say that these sorts of things do not affect how a player performs in a football pitch. Of course, right? they, they, affect, they affect everyone in the normal everyday life. If you were receiving such abuse in your everyday life, you, can you honestly say you go to work and perform your job in, and, in, and in, a, just, in a professional manner? And that's just everyday life, Dave. But imagine if someone in work is constantly telling you, or people around your work are constantly telling you, here, mate, by the way, you're shit at your job. Yeah, come or in, you, come, you in, know, you, come in and you do go, it again, but you're shit at it. Yeah, or you, you go like, you go to the toilet, you see you see posters on the wall telling you you're not good enough. You go to the canteen, you see people saying you're not good enough, and like that's the sort of reflection you could maybe put it into. Like if you were going around your everyday business and work, and you know whatever you turn, there's someone there with something to say, or there's there's a post or there's something you can see that is degrading like you would never be able to fully concentrate on your job so why should it be any different for these lads so at least we're trying to do something about it and you know the, the social media companies do nowhere near enough to to get involved and all they're interested in is you know traffic going through their websites or accounts but there's a lot more that they could do but you know how many times has this drum been banged and they still, you know, get away with it? In effect, it, I don't, I just don't know where it stops. Like, you know, the people are allowed to do this, and it, it's something that will just carry on and carry on. So at least we're we're trying as a club to prevent or try and educate these lads in in a way that it might not affect them as much as it it possibly could. Yeah, it's a real shame that these measures even have to be taken, I suppose, is the thing. Um, yeah. Which is really disappointing, but th- this is the world we live in, and I think that people probably need to look at the definition of the term support. Um, if you classify yourself as the Liverpool supporter, um, not to mention the fact that the manager has... The first thing he said when he walked into the club was how important the crowd were. How important, how important the fan base were to helping drive that club to success. And if you're doing anything otherwise, it's counterproductive. So that's my two cents on it. You know, people can go and say what they want, which is fine. But I, I just don't understand what you hope to achieve if you want the club to succeed by pushing these sorts of things out on social media. It's, it's consumerism. Uh, these people think they're entitled to um, uh, their club being successful, which which is not what what it is to support a club. You know, it's it is a sports in the end, and, and everybody is trying their best. You 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 can uh, presume, and, and if they're not successful, then they're still your your team, and and you can whistle if you if you think they don't. Um, you know, show the effort, the team, not a player in, in in particular, I would say, and especially not a young player in particular. But um, you you are not entitled to success. You know, ne- no one is, and and we are lucky that we uh, support a club that is 
that is hugely successful. But uh, you know, uh, we, we've had to wait for a little while uh, for the last championship. For and uh, and still, you know, um, we are lucky that there are um, clubs that are that are you know waiting for 27 years uh, to 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 win anything, and and. It, and even they are not entitled and, and most of them probably know that they're not entitled and they support their team and they support their club and that's what you do if you're a fan but if you think you're a consumer and, and football is a product then you know they're probably you know the Karens that are um, uh, demanding to, to see the manager uh, because they want to complain about the service something like that I was just going to say if you think Liverpool fans are a bit mental. Try being an Evertonian. <laughs> because at the moment, like, you know, Liverpool fan base can be a bit divided and a bit crazy and mental, but that fan base is toxic at the moment and you wouldn't want to be an Everton player gracing the pitch. Even a lad who's been playing for years, you know, like the, the stuff that they're facing on the field off the field from the ground eh, from the crowd and stuff like that it, it's horrendous but I, you know I, I think it's a fair point here because we knew the division that Benitez would cause when he went in there and that division did not help the players on the pitch because that division was felt from the stands in the stadium so oh yeah if, yeah it, it, if, it was, it was anything, destined to fail from the stars yeah, and that's it. And if anybody doesn't think that's a contributing factor to, to how that team has performed, then then I I I think you're really I don't mean to be rude to anybody here, but I think you're really fucking stupid to be honest. They they they're a mess from from top to bottom. Like you could spend hours if you wanted to really put yourself through the agony of discussing that club, um, but it's just a whole mess from the very top to the bottom and. Inside and out the ground, like you know, working and knowing people who were Evertonians, friends and colleagues and stuff like that. It's like they're they're going through a lot, and sadly, it's it's all aimed. Well, majority of it's aimed at the board. It was aimed at the manager, but it's also aimed at the players. Um, and you know, they they start, they sit there in the in the ground, they boo and get frustrated and get agitated and because things aren't going right on the pitch but you know they're not exactly helping them um, at all like the, they're contributing factors to to what they're putting out there on social media what the the reactions in the ground and, and actions off the pitch and stuff like that that's that's not helping the club in any way um, yeah so it's it just and if you talk snowball. to you about it if you talk to, if you talk to you about you know what's often been talked about at this elite level is, is a one a one, two, three percent difference that makes the difference. The fans can be that one, two, or three percent difference, and some people really need to understand that because that is one of the major reasons why we're able to compete with Manchester City. That's one of the major reasons why people thought Chelsea you don't, would be. I, that's why Klopp, in the last few weeks, I think he's 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 known like as a as a match going fan has been. A little bit of angst in the, in the crowd, like there's, you know, there's been questions raised about like certain songs that are being sung, and you know, like the way the fan base can be a bit muted in, in games. And I think Klopp's picked that up himself. He's not stupid, and the reactions to like the Arsenal um, 
to Brentford, Arsenal, and then Crystal Palace. You know, like everyone, everyone wants to see the clock go over and give like the free fist bumps to the crowd. But I think he's he's noticed himself that there's there's not been harmony within the fan base, especially in the ground, and he knows that he's the he's the one guy that can probably bring it together as much as he possibly can, and he's doing that. And you know. People were reading it as, you know, he's not giving up on the fight for the title, which he probably isn't. But he's not stupid. He is trying to unite us all as one. And if we are actually going to compete and challenge Manchester City, then, as you say, this 1-2% factor that the fan base can have, we've all seen what Anfield can do to teams. Like, we need to all be on the same page. And I think that's what he's trying to do. Yeah, so, Beryl, let's just move away from that conversation for a while. Um, one player who seems to get a lot of love, who everybody seems to like, who everybody seems to want to do well, which is a rare thing these days, is Taki Minamino. And no matter how hard he tries, and no matter how high his lovely little moments are that you think it's going to be the catalyst the kicking, kickstarting his Liverpool career, it just never really seems to happen. And I kind of thought at the start of this run with, with Mane and Salamis, and this would be a real indication of where Klopp sees him in the hierarchy. And um, as much as I like Ox- Oxley Chamberlain, if you see Oxley Chamberlain starting two games ahead of him in the front three, and then Kid Gordon starting ahead of him in the front three, it's for me, it's sad because I really do think there's a player in there, but I just don't think he has the skill set to find a place in this side. Yeah, it's um, again. I have to agree with you. Sorry for that, but uh, yeah, but I'm going to say something maybe left field. Uh, and he, he might thrive in in a team like Man City. Um, and, because you know the, the the sort of game that we play uh, demands more of uh, the players in in terms of of physicality and speed and and um, you know we try at least you know in in parts of games um, try to overwhelm um, the, the opposite side and that, that that means that we have to be uh, again, at least in parts of games, quick, strong, and uh, and technically adept, and and of course, you know, uh, if if uh, if Taki would would uh, would fight against me, <laughs> or uh, if we would uh, engage into in in, in a sprint against the other, he he would be uh, of course a lot quicker and 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 stronger, and uh, and of course he's technically technically adept, but but maybe not at the top level. Um, th- that's what I see. It's it's uh, he, he doesn't. Um, you know, there's not one attribute that is at the top level that could make him um, a, a regular starter. I think. Uh, um, but I, I liked the way he 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 performed in in the in the in the three games that he didn't start, but uh, but came on later. Um, he did so better than than when he started the game. I thought. Um, I don't actually know which is his best position. I think uh, if if Mane is not there, then Jota should play uh, left wing. 
um, if Salah's not there, and you know, hopefully he will be there uh, soon enough. But um, there was not a player I would say is is the the natural uh, substitute for him. Um, I, I think uh, Oxley Chamberlain has done well. Uh, you know, you, you can never ask Salah levels of of anyone, but uh, you know, he, he has scored twice, and there were important goals both. Um, so he has done well, but I thought Kate Gordon, um, although he 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 missed a, a sitter against Arsenal, but you know he got in the in the right position, and I thought he played really well and uh, he defended back, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, maybe he's even ahead of Taki uh, in the pecking order for that position. So that's the third position. That's uh, the Bobby position. But Bobby wasn't there for a long while, and Taki didn't manage to. Uh, to to lay a claim on that position as well, and and I think that has to do with the fact that he's maybe you know if you talk in percentiles, maybe he's in the 90th percentile of speed, uh, strength, and technical, uh, pardon me, technical ability, um, but not in the 95th, and probably that's what we need for the for those for these positions. So he he, he might be a useful player. But I don't see him holding down a, a, a spot in, in this team. Yeah, it's, it's sad to say, but it looks like that is the that is the future for for Taki Minamino. So just to get back to the game um, for the minute, there was a lot of talk about how Liverpool were on the ropes for the second half, and um, you know the keeper kept us in it, which to be fair he did, but. The thing that annoys me and it really goes through my head and is, can we not just drop 10 yards for 10 minutes? Why are they playing such a high line? Like, it's not something we've been doing for like six years now. Um, we've caught teams offside, I think, is it, is it, I think, 31 times more than the next best team. Um, and between Palace scoring, this is Simon Brundish tweet, between Palace scoring in the 55th minute and Fabinho's penalty. Palace had nine touches in the attacking third, did three touches inside the box, and their XD from their three shots were 0.14. So the, the narrative that we were hanging on seems a little bit false when you kind of put it into context, doesn't it? So we shouldn't be as concerned as maybe I alluded to earlier on in the pod. No, not really. Um, I think you, you you get caught up in the game if you you know you know yourself if you if you watch a game you you're emotional and you're caught up with it. But then if you were to watch it back and remove the emotion of the game at the time, you'll see a lot more. Um, obviously, if you've got the time and ability to do that, then that's great. But you know, a lot, a lot of people tend to just watch the game in ninety minutes and. The way that football's scheduled these days, there's always another game to watch afterwards. And as Sunday was, there was Chelsea Spurs. So unless you were dedicated to it in, in one way or another, you're not going to go back and watch it. Um, so you, you are left with the impression of, you know, Palace were threatening. Um, and, you know, they, they did have a lot of possession, but they didn't, as you said, like the stats back it up. They didn't exactly do much, I think. The only attempt on goal that I can barely remember, other than the one they scored, was the Edouard Bachio and the Elise chip. 
um, and Allison like kept us in it. You know, Gallagher had this. Uh, what's his name? Gallagher, isn't it? That was the header. The header. The, yeah. That was before oh. the goal, wasn't it? I think that was the biggest chance. Um, well, after the goal, I, I think Edward's back here was before. I think after the goal was just the early side chip. Um, and had he have gone across Allison, he probably would have had more chance of success. But as it was, he was going to the near post where Allison was obviously to that side of the goal. Um, but with with the offside thing, we you know you play this game, you it's high risk, so the chances are you will get caught off from time to time. Um, and we back ourselves with a normal squad and normal situation when the Afghan isn't taking place to always outscore other teams, and we we don't go out with probably the intention of a basketball game and thinking we always score more than you, but we always back ourselves to catch teams offside more than enough and create enough chances down the other end of the field that we'd win a game. I think that's probably the the basics of it. There's a lot more to it, obviously, in, in terms of how we set up and run through the game. But I think it's all just narrative and you know, you you see in the media outcry um about the penalty stuff, which we will probably get into in a second. But if if traffic's directed through media channels about Liverpool it gets enough hits for them to create enough content and create enough eyes going their way to prove the worth. I think that's just basically how, how it probably works. If you can say Liverpool were ropey and you can create a narrative that we're not formidable and Van Dijk's not the same, which he, he probably never will be after that injury, but he's probably now the best centre-half in the league again. Um, you know, it, it creates create stories, it builds narratives it allows papers to sell it allows clicks on your website it it just helps sell for the media so as a Liverpool fan if you if you're level-headed about it then you've probably got not much to worry about there's not many teams in the league with a, a potent enough attack to probably put enough past us unless we create mistakes for ourselves which you know we we did at times on Sunday but we got away with it yeah um we did, and let's just move to the penalty then. Um, girl, first and foremost, the pass is outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous. Um, you talk about long balls in football, and you know it might be classified as a long ball, but that is pinpoint through ball from sixty yards away, and it's phenomenal. And there is like absolute outrage about this. And I'm going to be honest, I don't think it was a penalty, but I put that in the context of, I don't think a pile of penalties that was given against us last year were penalties. So in the, in the kind of spirit of the term that they like to use consistency, it probably is a penalty. Yeah, uh, I have to agree with you that uh, and first seeing it, I, I didn't think it was a penalty. When I saw it back, I still didn't think it was a penalty. But I can see why a penalty has been given. And, and uh, uh, you know, I'm again going to refer to the, uh, the match of the day, too, uh, uh, um, that I watched. Um, they um, they referred they themselves referred to the, the fact that that uh, Craig Parson was in at Bar duty and he was the same 
VAR uh, person that uh, didn't give a, a penalty against uh, Man City when Ederson um, very clearly cleared out um, the, the little Scottish guy. I, uh, you know, I'm not good at names at this moment. Um, and w- which was clearly a penalty because, you know, he, he cleared him out. That if he got the ball or not was... Uh, wasn't important, I thought. But at that moment, you know, Paulson was was um, uh, you know harshly criticised because he didn't give the penalty. And now, in a similar situation, he did give the penalty. So, and and they were saying, Michael Richards was saying that it was ridiculous that he was uh, influenced by uh, the criticism for his previous uh, decision. And and I think that's ludicrous. That's absolutely ludicrous. Because, yeah, he, the man tried to learn from his mistakes. Uh, here was a situation that, you know, and, and you're absolutely right, that pass is, is wonderful. It's, it's, it's a carbon copy of the, the pass that he gives um, uh, against Arsenal. Um, same position, uh, same run. But this time, um, Jota doesn't manage to control it uh, uh, as swiftly and uh, doesn't have to... Uh, the opportunity to to uh, to, to shoot, um, and you could say that he tries to get the ball past the the goalkeeper, and then the keeper is is in his way, and you know he falls over him. Um, there is maybe a hint of that he moves into the the goalkeeper, but yeah, the goalkeeper doesn't touch the ball, and he gets in his way. So and and. It's always difficult to to decide in these situations because there are uh, two moving people, and uh, yeah, um, and and it's not my job to 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 referee. Um, uh, luckily, I'd say, but it it isn't uh, it, it wasn't a scandal to give a penalty for that. You know, you could give a foul for that, and then it could be a penalty. And they deemed it was a penalty, and and there were far more ridiculous calls. Uh, some of them uh, penalties not given, and some of them penalties given. Um, so it, the outcry is something I, I, I would um, uh, agree with, with with Jay on. Um, it's it's probably because, because this is Liverpool, you know. Neil Warnock saying that we always get away with murder, and you know, uh, and it, it's 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 uh, true to form because you know. Uh, um, th- that's exactly what I, g- I expect from from a person like like Neil Warnock, right? So uh, there's a, lots of people who hate Liverpool. Um, a lot of this has to do with with our previous dominant era, era uh, and and they can't get get over that. And you know when things like this happen, this was um, you know uh, I, I would say this is a, a, at least a contentious penalty. Um, so I, I can understand. That you could say that is, this is it was contentious, but you know to to fume as as if it was something out of the blue and as if uh, Jota had dived or something, which he hadn't. You know, it, he fell over the goalkeeper who was in his way. Um, yeah, it's that's down to uh, Liverpool hate, I would say. But having said that, I have to say that we got away with one in this game because. You could also say that the the two nil is is offside from Firmino. If, if he doesn't jump, then there's nothing wrong with the goal. But because he jumps, you could say he actively takes part in the situation, and then you know he was offside. 
So they could have um, warped that uh, out of our hands, and you know, and, um, and I, 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 I don't entirely agree that uh, that the narrative that that uh, we were a bit ropey against Crystal Palace is 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 far fetched. I think we were a bit ropey, and even with with the goal, which is I think um, 0.8 uh, uh, xg, we had uh, um, less xg than Crystal Palace had. So I I, I think. Um, we we got away with it because we are the better team. We can, we have better finishers. Um, but uh, on another day, uh, the the coin could have fallen on the other side. It, it could have went wrong, and luckily it didn't because you know we were due some luck. I think. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would think that actually the rooting out of the goal would have been more justified than the not giving of the penalty, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I was a little bit surprised, although I didn't notice it at the time. And given the standard of, of Premier League referees, um, I'm not surprised that they didn't notice it at the time either. So, um, Jay, just to put a kind of bookend at, at, at that game and City's draw at Palace. Um, there is an opportunity here. I think we've navigated the perilous time that everybody said would be the undoing of our title challenge with qualification for the next round of the FA Cup, qualification to the League Cup quarterfinal, six points from six in the league. And all of a sudden, a lot of people look really stupid. Um, similar, to, you know, these are the people that were kind of. This is one. This is another one that kind of <laughs> makes me laugh at the minute. These people who like their heads fell off when we were linked with Jared Bowen in the summer, and all of a sudden you're looking at him now, going, "Fuck, you know what? We could probably use him." And if he's performing that way at West Ham, who knows what he could do at the Reds? And he's another Jota, he's another Mane. Um, so yeah, it just goes to show that a lot of people who profess to know a lot, you know, just slightly less than fuck all. Um, but we have now a situation where we've got Mane and Salah coming back. Mane's got, like, knocked out and then bent one into the top corner tonight. Um, hopefully he comes back in decent form. Now he's, back. he's fine, by the way, I think. He posted, he posted before he's fine. Yeah, I, I would think he was fine the way the way he feathered <laughs> that one into the top corner. You know? <laughs> he looked he looked all right. He looked all right when he turned that one in. Um, we've got you know the excitement of Harvey Elliott coming back. How much he'll how much will risk him knowing Klopp and, and the medical team probably bit part. But I think most importantly for me. Um, and statistically, if you want to look at the numbers and, and the win percentage, etc., we should have Thiago fit for the next league game as well. And I know we've been a little bit ropey. Um, we're starting to get it together now. But if we can keep those guys fit and available, there there actually is no reason why we can't go and win 10 in a row and maybe just put the pressure on City. Yeah, we've got form for doing it. We've done it in recent years where we've strung together Results, wins. Um, I think even the, the back of the last season, like when we had we had Nat and Beast at centre half, we 
we put a, a run together to get ourselves into the Champions League. I'm not sure entirely if it was consistent wins, but it was an unbeaten run um, when we were depleted. So we we can prove that we can do it. Um, hopefully now, if we we do get the likes of Thiago back, and you've got Kater and you've got Elias, like, we can manage the squad. Um, because we've we've got ourselves through this tough period, which you know I'll, I'll be honest, I was probably questioning how we get on. Um, because in reality, we didn't really have too much faith in in what we had up top. But you know, we've got to, we've got goals from the rest of the field. If, if you look at the the weekend, the goals all come from nominally non forwards because Ox is you know a utility forward if he is. Um, so. All we've got to do is keep keep them honest. Um, we spoke before we we started recording. It, it it only takes one or two results, and you know the the Champions League comes back soon. That's what they really want. If they get distracted by that and get into a couple of nitty gritty ties, then who knows? They might just slip up here and there. And as you said again before we started recording, they do tend to drop points against teams who aren't the top level. And looking at their fixtures, you tend to look and go, "Oh, well, they." all their big games are at home but it can be the occasional team as we see at the weekend away to Southampton where they, they will slip up and drop points yeah so look, we'll see how it goes I think um, I think there's tentative hope rather than optimism here um, something that at least keeps us interested for the next while so um yeah, fingers crossed that maybe something amazing happens. And actually, for me, these are the league titles that you want to win. You want to go close. You want to tease it and it be tantalising right up until the end. They're the ones that mean more. And we're in the League Cup final and it's a one-off game and those are the sorts of games that mean more as well. So there's there's a way, way, way to go in this season and we're legitimately still in four competitions they're all I know we're kind of creeping towards the end of the transfer window there's been kind of Luis Diaz um, conversations it looks like Spurs are are very much interested in him now but a name that's popped up in the last uh, couple of days is a PSV player your your favourite local side um I'm no, right. I have to, no, no, I have to correct you. I'm a Feyenoord fan. But, oh, you're uh, a Feyenoord fan. I do apologize. So, yes, a PSV, a, a young PSV player, 22, um, Cody Gap, Gapko. Um, and his numbers, uh, I know we have like the Kesman, <laughs> the Kesman effect or from the, from the Eredivisie, but it's, it's 10 goals, 11 assists in 28 games for PSV. And I don't know anything about him other than literally the words that have just come out of my mouth. So can you give us a bit of an insight into what sort of player he is? Do you think he would be a legitimate option? Would he fit this side? Uh, Cody Gakpo is, is, a, is a really interesting uh, uh, interesting player who whose um, development has been slightly stunted by, you know, uh, a couple of injuries. Uh, he still made it into the uh, uh, the Dutch national side um, in the beginning of the season, I rem- uh, if, I, if I'm correct. Um, 
uh, Willie Fit, I, 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 you're right that uh, that there is a, a big step up from the, the Eredivisie to uh, to the Premier League, especially the Premier League, I would say. Uh, and and you know the statistics that you see uh, from, from certain players in in the Eredivisie doesn't always translate into um, you know similar numbers in in the Premier League. But th- there are some players. You know, um, I think Luis Suarez is maybe the the, the best example uh, for us at least. Um, th- that uh, you know that, that you shouldn't. Um, that you shouldn't uh, think that there is no talent in the Eredivisie. I think Cody Gakpo is a really interesting player. He, he has some um, some some skills that that you know you you either have or you don't have. He's he's quick. He's 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 a he's a tall lad, but he's really quick and uh, and and really tricky. He usually comes from uh, uh, from left wing, but he is right footed and he has a really really good shot on him. So you know that that's an interesting package, you know, um, uh, speed. Uh, you, you know, we talked about these uh, attributes uh, in, in the context of Taki Minamino, and and you know, in on all aspects, I would say, you know, if you would compare them, and which is um, not entirely fair, maybe, but then I would say then Cody Gakpo has has more raw attributes uh, than uh, Taki would have probably. So yeah, um, will. Will these uh, will these th- these figures, but also his talents, will will they translate into into um, you know uh, a starting spot at Liverpool? Uh, I'm I, I think I think there is enough talent there, so I would be really interested to to see him. Uh, to you know our interest in in him interests me. Uh, uh, but as you could also say, you know, Jota is is probably the the player who is uh, who's going to take the uh, the Mane spot. Um, but you know, maybe we're planning something with Mane. Maybe Mane wants something else. I don't know. But he would be an interesting option for the for that spot. Um, I, I've I've read up about uh, about this our our um, alleged interest. But you know, it, it's coming. The information is coming from some really reputable sources. Uh, and he has confirmed that he has uh, had um, talks with Bayern Munich, Manchester City, and uh, probably also Liverpool. Um, but also has said that he is more inclined to stay a little longer at PSV, which you know, for a 22-year-old player, maybe is smarter. I don't know. Um, but uh, you know, if if he fulfills his his uh, his promise, his potential at PSV, then he, he would probably be. Uh, priced out of our budget, but yeah, he's a in- really interesting player. I think uh, um, whenever uh, the Netherlands team plays, you will probably see him in action um, because he he has uh, he has a, he has a, a a real claim on that left wing spot in in the in the national uh, team of the Netherlands. Okay, great, Beryl. Thanks for that. So. Just to finish us off, a quick one, Jay. Um, how many trophies do the Reds finish with this season, um, and which are they? Uh, two. I'd say we we've got a very, very, very good shot of the League Cup. I fancy us against Chelsea. Um, 
probably the Champions League, I think, is our best other shot for a trophy in reality. Um, I mean, you know, not ruling the league out completely, but as it stands, I'd fancy us over two legs against anyone. Um, and a one-off game, we've done it before in the past, what, three or four years. So I'd say that would be our best avenue for, for another trophy. But I'd, I'd, I'd fancy us just to get this League Cup in the bag uh, first and, you know, put something in the cabinet, as they say, and it can kickstart you for the rest of the season. So I'll go with two. Okay, great, Beryl. Yeah, I have to agree with Jay there. Um, uh, you know, th- this team has, has you know, we, we're all unlucky to, to live in this period. But um, you know, that they, they were, they had, they had more success coming their way, and they have been, uh, they have been robbed of it. So I think they, they really, really want to win something, and and not only the League Cup. So yeah, I, I, I think we are. We are a genuine contender for for the Champions League. Um, it's it's yeah, it's something we have done before, and uh, I think we. I, I fancy us getting uh, in the final, and and if we get there, we'll win it. Okay, so that would uh, mark us. Put uh, mark an amazing season for me, and some people will be happy if we only win the Champions League, which is absolutely absurd. So, until next time, lads, thanks for joining me. Up the can't cope without the Afghan guys, Reds. 